The following podcast contains uncensored coarse language. Listeners are advised that some of the following content may not be appropriate for those under 15 years of age. Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, it's my birthday. Hooray! What? I know. Um, and it's making me slightly depressed to realise how many birthday episodes I've done because I'm starting to feel a little old. <laughs> but yes, uh, the birthday rule is uh, whenever we get to the week of my birthday, I can pick a film and not feel bad about it. Normally when I pick films for this programme uh, or the audience picks films we we try and make sure that they're relevant you know it's like the original version of a remake or it's got a significant anniversary or you know it's an in memoriam for someone that's passed away recently and when it comes to this week it's like nope we're gonna watch just whatever i feel like this was almost the penguins of madagascar um, <laughs> one year it will be that uh but not this year this year bag's not it yeah bag's not it indeed um this year i thought i'd go for a film that i remembered enjoying when i first saw it but i haven't watched it since And I'm curious to see whether or not it holds up. And it is 2009's The Boat That Rocked, or for our American listeners, Pirate Radio. Uh, Joining me, as always, we have someone who has seen the film before and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it is Dr. Sarah Curtis. Sup? How are you doing, Dr. Sarah? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've been on this... uh, Every episode I've been on so far this year has been movies I've never seen. Hmm. And so far, I was right. To not see them? Yeah, to not see them. (laughs) So hopefully, not so much this time. Oh, look, Kung Fu Panda 2 was was all right. It was fine. It was... No, no, the third one was fine. I think the third (laughs) one was where we just sat there and went, it's fine for an hour. Second one of Gary Oldman, it had the tail fan. No, it's it's not not happy memories. Look, that was okay, but I I don't regret deciding not to see it in the past either. Well... I apologise for forcing you to watch all three. Uh, the boat that rocked, what do you know about it? Uh, there is a boat mm-hmm. and it rocked. It certainly did. Uh, this is, so this is a film with songs? Uh, yes, it is, it is not a musical. It's not a musical. No, it's, and it's not, it is a film which features music, but from memory, I don't think it features any of the characters singing the songs. Because I remember the trailer mm. from back in first year uni when I saw the trailer mm. and it was coming out. Uh, and I, I remember people running around a boat and there being lots of music from, what, the 60s? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's all I know about this film. Excellent. I kind of feel like it's all you need to know, really, um, because... Well, you know my love of the 60s. Oh, I forgot your love of the 60s. Um, by love. Uh... Burning hatred. Yeah. Oh, Sarah, you're not going to enjoy this film. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm going to have such a bad time. Yeah, because this is like... This is essentially, and our other guest, uh, let's introduce him now. It's Shane Adamzak, everybody. Hello, I've been here the whole time. Yeah. What? But the reason I'm throwing it over to you, Shane, because uh, you have seen this film. Yeah. This film is basically just like a love letter to being a, basically, I, I would even, not just being a young person in the 60s, but being a young British white male in the 60s. Oh, yay. Yeah. This is going to be right up your alley. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Can't um, wait. I, I like you. I saw this when it came out. Mm. Remember really enjoying it and mm. have not seen it since. Mm. Um, I've mentioned a few people just during the week that I was going to be watching this and they were both um, really like, oh, really? Oh, that movie? I was like, oh, I remember it being good. So maybe my memory was wrong. But well, I mean, as a big mm. fan of like the music of the era mm. and of those movies that just have every English actor in them, mm. I thought it was pretty fun. Because I, I saw this in the cinema and I mm. remember having a good time but then never feeling the need in the 13 years since to go oh i should watch that again and i'm worried that the the, the 20 2009 good times uh does not translate to 2022 it yeah. usually doesn't yeah when we watched it when we were just little boys yeah we probably had a great time <laughs> in and, nappies i'm sure yeah. yeah well the thing is is there is there is definitely one scene which i know which has uh, elements that i would title as problematic mm. um and i'm not going to say what it is because there's probably more than one scene yeah let's see if i can guess which one it is yeah, yeah. Th- there's one in particular that when 
I, I was talking with uh, Dr. Alan Sears saying that oh, we'll probably do this one for the birthday film. And then we got talking and we both had this conversation about this scene, which we'll talk about in the review half, where we went, hmm, that will be fun in a 2022 watching. Mm. Uh, and I will say no more about it right now because I don't... I don't want to weigh down this boat with too many negative <laughs> expectations. Too many with too many rocks, yeah. It's because, yeah, it was. I just remember it being fun. It's and it does have a great cast. You know, it's got mm. um, yeah, Bill it's, Nye. It's almost got like a like a Love Actually level mm. of British yeah celebrity cast. I rem- I'm trying to remember who was in it. Bill Nye, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, the guy that went on to play the Sandman in the Sandman. Oh, really? Is in it? Okay, as a young man, I think. Yeah. Um, there's uh, Risa Farns, uh, Nick Frost, mm-hmm. um, and others. And more. <laughs> yes. Uh, more people that you'll go, oh. Um, that and- white British guy. Yeah. My favourite of them all. Yes. yes. Uh, so uh, with all that being said, uh, shall we watch The Boat That Rocked? Let's do it. I'm ready to rock. Okay. For those of you who are listening at home, pop in those DVDs, load up those streaming services, and prepare to laze on a Sunday afternoon or other 60s song reference here as we watch The Boat That Rocked. Welcome back, everybody. You have been listening to the Pirate Radio film review show that is the Cinema Catch-Up Club. I am Dr. Stephen Platt, and I'm joined by my special boat guest, Shane Adamzak, known as Yar. The Skipper. Yar! And uh, uh, the good lady doctor herself, known as Doctor of the Waves, it's Dr. Sarah Curtis. Yeah, welcome back, everyone. And I'm not going to keep talking like this, because it's really irritating. <laughs> uh, yes, welcome back. Um, it, yeah. Oh, it, now this new accent you're doing is even more annoying. Yes, I'm oh. doing the news and weather now. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, we have just finished watching The Boat That Rocked. And uh, there was a lot. There was a lot of radio chat in it, and uh, it is literally just sitting down. That's made me go. I guess doing a podcast is a little bit like that, except it's completely permissible and no way near as cool. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I wish we were on a stupid boat. Yes, <laughs> drowning. One, one day we will broadcast from a boat. I vow this today. <laughs> All right. Uh, it may wow. be docked and it may be a lot safer than the boat in this film, but it will happen. Uh, Dr. Sarah Curtis. Yes. That's that was your first time watching The Boat That Rocked. It was. What did you think? I can see why everyone liked it when it came out. Mm. It, dot, dot, dot. it had some fun bits. Mm. Like I legitimately laughed at certain places. Mm. You know, they, they got the sort of the feel of the era in a kind of this is an over the top ridiculous kind like even the way they filmed it was a bit fun Mm. there are so many problematic moments yes Uh, and i find it interesting that you think i was the person who who should be watching this film Mm. just yeah let's have all the the sexy times and let's have the asexual watch the sexy times yes i I forgot about that as well um well yeah that's on me sorry that's just me completely forgetting uh certain facts about um my, my friends uh but it was enjoyable oh yeah i i had a good time it's out of all the films i have not seen before but i've reviewed this year on the mm. podcast it's up there okay uh More i than mean kung fu panda 2 well it's definitely beating kung fu panda 3 all right mm. but so is everything else so uh, uh, shane yeah this was your first time watching it since it came out in the cinemas yeah well how was it revisiting um, I, I quite enjoyed it. I, uh, I mean, I'm a big fan of the music of the era and the mm. era itself and a lot of the actors in the film. Mm. Um, yeah, I had a good time. I, I had this weird thing where I hate movies generally set on boats. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I don't know why. I'm just not interested. This one is somehow an exception to the rule mm. in that, like, other than, like, way too much scary drowning water <laughs> stuff at the end. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I love the idea of pirate radio. And uh, mm. if there's one thing I hate, it's fucking squares and <laughs> and twats. And if there's one thing I love, it's sticking it to the man. Yeah, you're very much uh, yeah. a, a big rebel. Yeah, uh, big yeah. time. Yeah. You don't like films with boats. Is it, is it because of the potential of sinking or that they so often feature underwater claustrophobic I moments? I just don't. I don't know why. Okay, so I'm just going to run off a few boaty films as I think of them. Mm-hmm. Titanic. Whatever, it's fine. Okay. 
Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean one. Um, well, see, pirates is a different thing because when you when you're watching like a pirate movie, you know that it's a hundred percent fake, right? Because you know pirates aren't real, mm. right? They're just made up. Yeah. Like, Why would you like, say something like, like that? Like Volkswagens. Yes, you know? exactly. <laughs> um, um, yeah, Waterworld. I mean, that's. I mean, that's a bad movie even without. Like, even on dry land, that movie's bad. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. No, it's 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 fair. I mean, this this film, I think maybe part of the reason that maybe it doesn't quite fit into your bad boat film uh, category mm. is because it doesn't really feel like a boat a lot of the time. Because it's, it's not moving. A lot of the time it isn't moving. But also, like, I mean, it does have some very... Obviously, bits of it do feel like a boat that's pretty inescapable. But I think because of the radio studio environment that they spend a lot of time in, we just don't associate that environment with being so near the water. And yeah, it, like the first couple of scenes, there's a lot of like actors rocking back and forth on which clearly is still set, but then they kind of lose it throughout and you kind of just go oh yeah i guess they're just in a cool radio studio somewhere yeah with with good uh views of the water basically um yeah it's 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 fun i i remember not a whole lot of this film it turns out because i'm watching it it was it was one of those films where it was really 30 seconds before something happened it was oh that's right Reese Darby's going to do this or this is going to happen or you know it was it was very much these little flashbacks but yeah, it's. I think that this film is way too long. Uh, that yeah. that was the thing I came away from this. Now, I believe we are watching the UK cut, not the American cut. I mean, it's called the boat rocked. That's probably a big difference. Yeah. But the UK cut is longer. Uh, for example, that scene with uh, is mid- longer than the one we just watched. No, no, we just watched the long. Oh, one. okay, right. So, so the one that we watched was the UK cut. Um, the scene with Midnight Mark and all of the naked groupies. Um, recreating the Jimi Hendrix album cover was not in the US release, I believe, and I believe a lot of that's because like, they're a bunch of no good squares. Yeah, they're man. a bunch of they're a bunch of twats yeah, and exactly. Sir, Sir Alistair's just sitting yeah. there going, "We can't have naked women." Oh, 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 oh. Um, and a few other like extra bonus sort of bits that were in this film were kind of cut. Nothing, I think, that was too plot consequential, but. Um, yeah, it, it's it's very long though. And yeah, like, we got to. I think it was like the 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 government's like fourth plot to get rid of them. I'm like, why hmm. why is this still happening? Are we aren't we nearly done? And yeah. there was like 20 more minutes after that. So mm. so the scene where they have the chicken contest between mm. um, Risa Fons, uh, Gavin Kavanagh, and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's The Count is the halfway point of the film. Wow! And it hadn't come up for quite a while while I was watching it, and I was like. Oh my! Oh my! Are we still less than halfway through this film? And we were, and it got to that scene because that's just over the halfway point, technically. And I was just like, "Why is this film so long?" I'm, I guess I'm enjoying it, but also, mm. it is longer than it is interesting. I, yeah, and it's I, called nautical time, guys. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> it's a boat thing. It's a boat thing. Yeah, and you're the boat expert. I'm the boatsman. They call me the, the boatsman. <laughs> yeah, that's why your nickname was your radio handle was the skipper. That's right. Um, yeah, and and like the thing is though is. You could pretty much cut most scenes from this film and it wouldn't affect the film. But I can't think of a scene that I would cut that I didn't like or wouldn't cut for like... There's a couple of problematic things that I would cut, but I would cut them because they're problematic. I wouldn't cut them because of the way that they were shot. It would just be, no, that should never have been filmed in the Mm. first place. But, you know, things um, things like Simon's stag do, we didn't need that. But it was fun to see. I found yeah. it funny that they could walk normally on land, even though they spend most of their time on boats. They were very drunk, though, so maybe... Counterbalance. Yeah. 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 I think that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. You, if you're wobbly That's why they're always drinking. Yeah. Yeah, because it just helps them keep their, their land legs, I guess. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, sequences like that. Um, you know, the bit with Bob turning up, uh, Midnight Bob, and um, that being the first time a lot of the crew have seen this DJ that's been on the ship for seven months. Um we, I don't know that we necessarily needed that scene. Bob could have just been introduced in that scene with all the other characters. And it was f- fun. I mean, the fact that he was being introduced in that way made me think that he was just some guy sneaking on. Mm. He was like, I'm just going to bluff my way through this breakfast. Yeah. And if they don't kick me off, then I'm on. And, th- and then it became funnier that, oh no, he, he does the 
the graveyard yeah. shift. Basically. But it's great that they set him up as this character that they all know of but have never met. And mm. then we know, you know, that sets up that he spends a lot of time on his own, mm. which comes back into play at the end of the yeah at the end of the film. Yeah, and so like, there's a lot of stuff there where it's like, yeah, this this is great. This works really well. Like, I suppose it's stuff like the um, Never Have I Ever Seen, where they're all sat around. But there's some good, funny things in there, like. Nick Frost's Big Dave character telling the story of when he shit the bed, which is like, it's a funny thing. And you know, I think it helps with like us saying, oh, they're all really bonded. And I, I, I really do feel at the end of this film where it's like, the film does a really good job of showing, no, this is like a found family thing and they do really care for each other. Mm. And I think those scenes are important for that. But it's very long. And I, I don't know where you make the cut. I mean, I kind of feel like I do know where we make the cut. Yeah, I think I've got a good idea yeah. where we can make that cut. Yeah, so you remember... Uh, the... Let's cut all the boat stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> Too much boat stuff and water. The boat that rocked, just the rocked. Just what about, just a radio station, <laughs> a movie about it. Yeah. And no weird claustrophobic water shit. Yeah. Put it in a van, same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just drive around the countryside. Yeah, Van Rock. That's, yeah. I feel like that is something, and I don't mm. want to know what it is. Um, so, Sarah, I, I said in the preview section mm-hmm. of this podcast, um, there was a bit mm-hmm. that was potentially quite problematic. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you spot what it was? Can yeah, you, can I, you see I, what it I is? Think I, I'm going to like make, I'm going to put a crack at it. I'm just yeah. going to throw this out there. Yeah. So the scene mm. where one of the now I don't know anyone's names. So Nick Frost's character is Dave. The main character Sandman is Carl. Um, so, so. <laughs> Dave, I'm assuming, mm. is is supposed to be sleeping with this girl and decides to set up the Sandman mm. so that he can lose his virginity. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, let's have sex in the dark. Mm. You're never going to notice that there's any difference between the two of us and mm. you're going to have unconsensual sex mm. with this other dude. Yeah. You found it. Well done. Well uh, done. You found the National Lampoon <laughs> section of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Now, th- there's a lot of stuff that is like, oh, that's not okay uh, throughout the film. I find that a lot of it, though, is restricted to character interactions, not entire scene setups. Yeah, someone will say something in the background to or, someone else. Or like, you know, touching of ladies' bums. Yeah. Or th- there was a lot of that in that the was, film ugh. and things like that. And part of me is like, mm-mm, the 60s was good, but the 60s wasn't good at the there same time. There was nothing time. good about the 60s. Oh, the, 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 oh the, come the, on, what? Excuse me, the moon landing, I will, I will have you know. Oh, there's so much good stuff about the 60s. England winning the World Cup for the only time in their history of the men's national I team. I care so much. Uh, well, I've named two things, Shane. Um... All of the music that's in the film. <laughs> it, 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 fine. It, it is a pretty good soundtrack. It's an amazing soundtrack. Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman has a very good uh, track record of aligning himself with movies with amazing soundtracks. Mm. Boogie yeah. Nights. Yeah. Almost Famous. Yeah. The Master. Yeah. He just sings in that one, actually. I don't yeah, think I they use too much. Um, yeah. That scene, rewatching it, is like, hmm, that's not okay, basically. And... I I think, and this is me looking at it with my best intention glasses, I think it's been written where it's so obvious the plan's not going to work because of how physically different Dave and Carl are. It's a terrible scheme. Yeah, like like the, the scheme work, like shouldn't work. And like so there's no reason for them to be engaging with it because it's so obviously not going to work. And at multiple times, Carl points this out where he's like, is she even pointing out that you're chunky? And he's like, nah, nah, it'll be fine. And so I... I with my best intention glasses on, I feel as though that scene was written where it was never going to be successful. And that the... It was more about, look at these silly sods. There's no way they'll get away with this. And then they don't get away with it. But the payoff is that I'm relieved there isn't non-consensual sex that happens. And that's not a good joke payoff. And you spend the whole film looking at these two guys in a completely different light as well, going, mm. wow, you're wannabe rapists. Well, I mean, and very specifically, the character of Dave. Because mm. like, he's obviously taking advantage of the lady that's come onto the boat. And he is continually, like... I guess corrupting Carl, manipulating. Cause, yeah, because Carl, like, like Carl, Carl has obviously some culpability, but he is very much like, I don't think. I, I think he even says like, this is morally questionable. He's like, nah, nah, it'll be fine. This kind of thing, and like, he's just surrounded by all of these bad influences in this sense. And yeah, it does make me go, yeah, the, the character of Dave is like, is quite fun, and I quite like Nick Frost in a lot of roles that he plays when he plays. Not exactly that sort of character, but he plays characters who are a bit um, morally ambiguous. Uh, but in this one, it's like, mm, not not loving it. H- him and Gavin kind of both sit in that, mm. that camp. Mm. Uh, but Gavin is like set up as a very obviously antagonistic presence 
for the Count and for Simon. Whereas with Dave, he's sort of there from the beginning and nothing, there's no I real... I think that's, that's kind of worse though because, yeah. you know, it, that's like the friend that you have that you're still friends with. You're not quite sure why you're friends with them, but mm. they do lots of Let's all of name those shit. people on the count of three. Here we go. <laughs> One, two, three. No. Shane. Shane. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> We can cut this out, right? Uh, no, no. Oh, I don't, yeah. Just want to point out, no one said this, my name. This is going live, yeah. Pirate oh, Radio. Yes. Listen, you wankers, how dare you fucking call me that? You, I, that scene is so great where they trick Quentin into swearing on the radio. Glorious. It was wonderfully done. And more scenes like that, less scenes like unconsensual sex, I guess is more where yeah. we're going with that. Um, the sexual revolution is an interesting thing to try and cover on film, even in this sort of like very passive way. The film, this isn't a film about sex, and yet there is a lot of sex in it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because you, obviously it's a boat full of dudes and mm. and one woman. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very clearly set up that like, oh, she's a lesbian. And so it's like, right, cool. So yeah, not, not, not even any... And the fact that she got the her. girl in the end, I was quite happy with. I was like... Mm. Mm. Get on them, 2009, uh, getting there. Getting there, yeah. Getting there. Getting there. But I, I don't know, just like the fact that all the female characters were there to have sex mm. with one of these gross white dudes. Mm. Like, it's a bit problematic. Were, were all of the, du- the dudes gross? Yeah. Even Midnight Mark? Yeah. Oh. What about Bob? He was nice. Yeah. Okay. All, all gross. Yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it's a matter of taste. Shane, were they all gross? I don't think they were, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It, it, it is an, an issue with the fact that the, the film is almost all male main characters. Even our antagonists, mostly male. Because uh, we have uh, Miss C, as she's referred to in this film, um, who's the secretary under Sir Alistair who's like secretly listening to the radio and enjoying it. But she has no like real agency in this film. She's just... No, she says, yes, sir, no, sir, at once, sir. Yeah. And then uh, doesn't really do anything to, to sort of undermine the fact that she loves this radio station and doesn't like... What See, I was waiting doing. for her to like misfile the paperwork yeah, or bring something. bring the squares down from the inside. Right. Yeah, I love when people bring the squares down from the inside. <laughs> Use your squarishness for good. Yeah, oh. but it didn't happen and that felt... Uh, actually, with the baddies, mm. um, it did feel a little undercooked on that side where I just felt like we needed... I really felt like we needed twat on one of those boats at the end. Yeah. Like, or even just like that he turns up with the, the, the boat police directly contravening his Sir Alistair's orders, but all the people have beaten them to it. Mm. And so he's like, oh, good, just as well kind of thing. Yeah, so I, I tried to do the right thing. Yeah, even that would have been better. Just because they're good villains. Kenneth Branagh is, I think, my favourite thing in this film. And there's a lot of good like character actors doing their thing. He's such a bastard, though. I love how overacted it is as well. Yeah. Because you've got that juxtaposition between like the guys on the boat having a good time, being, you know, all mm. free. And then you've got, you know, Kenneth Branagh mm. and like his pals just like, oh, yes, I am a British minister. What, what, whatever mm. I'm doing. And just the fact that it's just so evil on mm. top of that. And just the, the cuts at first, I was like, these cuts, I'm not sure if they're working for me. I They grew on me by the end, yeah. the way that they were doing that. And the fact he leaves them to die though. Yeah. So... All these things happen. Yeah. Happens to the best of us. Happens to the best of us. It's just like... Fuck F you. specifically, basically, yeah. yeah. It's just like... Mm-mm-mm. I mean, yeah, not liking rock and roll is one thing, but doing a moiter, a bunch of moiters? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And like, I, I love little things like, did the fisherman die when they oh, took yeah. the signal? He was like, no. Nah. Shame. Shame. Yeah. Shame. Yeah. Would have been useful. I mean, the fact that like the, the, the stakes are so high and really it's a bunch of people listening to music. Mm. Like... It, 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 in our in in today's day and age, you know, twenty twenty two, the stakes are so high. Listening to your Spotify playlist, well, like obviously, it doesn't quite work in the same context. No, and I think context. and I think that's one of the key things with this film. So this film is, from my reading of it, it's a real love letter from the team. The team that built this, that wrote this, that put this together, would have been children of the sixties. They would have been growing up, uh, maybe slightly younger than even uh, Carl was. But they would have had this experience of being in the 60s and oh, pirate radio, isn't it great? And this kind of thing. And and growing up in a very culturally repressed sort of society. Or maybe not culturally repressed. Repression is certainly a term that you could use. I guess, you know, you imagine Britain pre 
uh, the 60s and it's very buttoned up is the perspective it's very you know stiff upper lip and stiff collars and all this sort of thing um despite the fact there was obviously lots of things going on the perception is that the culture was quite restrained and particularly the 15 or 20 years post the second world war it was people were constrained partly just because of financial reasons and the mm. fact that, that you know there was fuel rationing until yeah they were still rationing for... 1953 i think was mm. when fuel rationing ended so like you have this long period and for these kids that were born in that time an entire lifetime's experience and then you reach young adulthood at the time that the uk essentially just lets themselves go in that sense and you have the free love movement and you have this music coming over from america and all of this sort of like cultural change and suddenly it's the the swinging 60s and you have these pirate radio stations and like i I feel like the film does a really good job of capturing the fact that there was a definite mood change in that time period and I loved the amount of shots and I really appreciate the effort that they went to to film so many of these scenes of people listening to their radios in their day-to-day life and enjoying the the pirate radio station and you know you had like the nurses gathered around on night shift you had the guy driving the truck you had a lot of children teenagers like listening to it in their bedrooms or in dorm rooms a lot of stoners and people drinking and just all these people who are in like within this sort of cultural movement engaging with it and I thought the film did a really good job of, of capturing that. Yeah, because I think that's what made it important. Because mm. if, you, if you're just focusing on the guys on the boat, yeah. it's like, well, you're a bunch of guys on the boat. Yeah. Good for you. But you're yeah, having the people they impacted there. When mm. you go, okay, this is a cultural moment. This is about more than just a bunch of dudes. Yeah. And then it is slightly undercut, I think, by how kind of shitty a lot of them are or a lot of their behavior is. But also, they are pirates. I know they're not really pirates in the traditional sense. Because pirates are made up. Because pirates are made up. 100%. But, but yeah, they are, don't tell him. But they, I mean, they are, at the end of the film, illegally on a boat doing crimes. Like, they, they are actual mm, That pirates. sounds like uh, real square talk <laughs> over there. Well, I'll have you now, Shane, that... Uh, He's the British government. Yes. Mm. Yes. Checks out. A little bit. <laughs> I don't like the side I'm on. But um, <laughs> but at the same time, there were times when I was really siding with the, the baddies, with the British government, because... Yeah, kill anyone who goes against you. Got it. No, not that. I meant more the, the behavior of the DJs being so gross and icky. And like, it, it was just really troubling knowing what we know now about what British entertainers and DJs were up to more so into the 70s, but certainly in the 60s. And that's a lot of the revelations of that came post this film being made. Uh, All the stuff with Jimmy Savile was two to three years after this film was released. Um, And so watching it with that sort of knowledge is like, yeah, Gavin's not that unrealistic a character. Oh, yeah. In fact, he might be considered like, oh, he's all right, because, like, he only feels the bombs in public. Like, that kind of thing. Like, it was... Yeah, I did feel weird for long periods yeah, of this It's glorifying behaviour that masks worse behaviour. Yeah. Harold was nice, though. The uh, the technician who... Oh, yeah. yeah. Who had, like, one line. Who had one line, but a lot of, like, smiling and nodding and yeah. blowing kisses. And crying. MVP of emotional support. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, all, I love how all the DJs basically had a moment where they needed their emotional support, Harold. Who yeah. Just, like, give him a biscuit or yeah. pat him on the back or whatever. He was great. I really enjoyed the newsreader. Didn't yeah. catch his name, but he was quite fun. Um, I quite like Bill Nye. I'm not sure I loved Quentin as a character. It yeah. was basically just like like a pimp on the seas, basically. He kept trying to hook up Carl with Well, I'm assuming he was people. like the producer of the show. Yeah, he was well, he was the captain of the ship. Yeah. So he was he was running the station. Yeah. And like Bill Nye just having a good time in a film is is great to watch. But when you pull away the Bill Nye Bill Nye-ness, it's I was like, ah, oh, Quinton's a bit gross and I don't know that that's a great character. Woo, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. But uh Reese Darby on a ship Always fun. Turns out that was that that's now a formula that lot, works really yeah, well. A lot of people in this movie went on to be other pirates and people that hate pirates <laughs> in other boat movies. I mean, it makes sense they'd hire Jack Davenport after his Pirates of the Caribbean nonsense chasing people around. Um, It's... Like, uh, what's her name from the IT crowd? We had two IT crowd alumni in here, in um, Chris O'Dowd and 
Catherine um, Parkinson. Yeah, I, I forget. I, I think it's Ka- names. Catherine I Parkinson. I feel like yeah. she's always got the same hair, same hairstyle and everything as well. If it ain't broke, you know. Yeah. If it ain't broke. Yeah, and like she, she was really fun. There's a lot of just these fun caricatures. It, yeah, the film does feel like it doesn't get consequential until the second half, though, and it's and it's a long first half to get to that second half. Um, I will say. In fact, I should ask, did you have because it's a comedy film like a favorite? comedy moment like something that you were like this is actually the the funniest thing in this film or the thing that you found the funniest well i know i definitely laughed quite a few times but i'm trying to think back to jokes or Mm. moments and i can't actually picture any of them and i think that's an issue with the film because i'm looking at my notes and going oh yeah this joke that they're funny but they sort of fade quite quickly Mm. like uh dave throwing the record back into the water Mm. although it was in what led up to the most problematic scene of the movie i did giggle at the line i can't make love in electric light yeah <laughs> yeah i i mean again reese darby's excellent uh, after midnight mark reveals uh, how he got so many women to sleep with him by mm. basically just not saying anything he goes well how are you gonna fuck your way out of this situation mark <laughs> it was just wonderful um yeah there's like a good a few good one-liners things like that but it's hard to recall specific moments like or specific scenes or setups maybe beyond sir alistair's christmas party Mm. Just, just the the awkward having just seen the big, friendly found family Christmas party, and then you have, uh, bloody Norrington at the or twat, sorry, at the uh, thing with his daughter and his wife, and his wife so is the, just just all these just, little noises. Yeah, performed to a T. So, so easily excited by anything happening, and seemingly quite full of joy that gets quashed obviously by this monster that she's married to. It was, it was great, and again, just um, the fact that. There was only one of them wearing a Christmas hat. Yeah, like, and it was the know, visitor. Yeah, you had the visitor wearing the Christmas hat and everyone else was like, oh no, we're too we posh for that. We don't do that. Oh, honey, I think they have jokes in these Christmas cards. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's very amusing. And just doesn't share it. It's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. Again, lots of fun moments like that, which I think lead to an overall feeling of, yeah, this was like a fun, feel-good movie with a lot of problematic things mixed in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, the story is there's a boat and then there isn't. That's kind of the story of the film is there's a boat, they play some songs and then it sinks. And if you're a music fan, you have to tragically watch mm. lots of vinyl records be destroyed. Yeah. That was pretty depressing. It yeah. hurt my you, soul. You vocalize this quite a bit during yeah. during that sequence. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, it's you're not the only person I know that uh, that happened to. Uh, Dr. Ellen says uh, her brother. All right, we're all doctors. It's not a competition. <laughs> all right. Um, her, her brother, uh, when when they watched this in the cinemas, was very affected by the records, more so than anything else that had happened in the film. Yeah. And even my brain goes, that's probably a prop record, or it's probably not the actual record that's getting destroyed, but still. Yeah. It's not pleasant. It's not good. But, I mean, the sequence where Carl having discovered that Bob is his father then goes and like rescues him and it's all shot underwater and I know you don't like the claustrophobic underwater stuff yeah it's pretty freaky but like when the records spill out and they're all floating around and they're swimming together and he does the thumbs up when he's got the one record he wants to keep yeah that's actually really well shot it was a good scene oh it's a beautiful sequence yeah yeah Yeah. and it it, you could see you could see everything as well it wasn't there wasn't a lot of those cheat shots where it's like the poor green grass effect of oh the camera's moving a lot and you can't really tell what's happening It, it yeah. Yeah, it was one of those great movie moments as well that if you want to play the can I hold my breath as long as these people game. Don't mm. do it. It's fun. Yeah, make sure you're sat down. Yeah. Uh, I, I never play those games because I always lose. Oh. Yeah. It was a very, very long time. That's one, of, that's one of the reasons those scenes freaked me out mm. because I know in that situation I would die. Princess Bride's a classic one. For yeah. That. Yeah. Mm. Um, Carl, who is nominally the protagonist of the film, uh, is sent to this boat to get straightened out i guess weird scheme yeah his mum played wonderfully by emma thompson Mm -hmm. who very much turned up on set for a day it felt like uh but was fabulous throughout um yeah i i I think it is more so the well your father's on the boat i'll leave you to discover if that's who it is Mm -hmm. um and that yeah his father's bob they make a connection he gets set up with uh marianne who like does it decides to sleep with Nick Frost instead and then comes back on New Year's Eve and then they do hook up and then the it's broadcast not the actual act but afterwards it's yeah. they, they the radio station interviews him about it which was 
kind of fun. She gets it. She gets an eighth of the poster as well. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah, she's I mean, she's good in the role, but like, just just the whole. I'm not asexual, Sarah, mm-hmm. uh, but he, I felt that it was a bit shoehorned in. Um, yeah, I mean the whole the whole joke of him stepping out of the room and finding them all there, going live, that is funny. Mm. But the fact that the topic of conversation was the fact that he had just had sex mm. was uncomfortable. Yeah, and I think that's yeah, it's it's interesting because I'm watching that. I'm going like. Mm. Yep, that's that's a problem. But then also going, I kind of get it though. Like I kind of get that, like that with this sort of found family thing, and with the fact that sex for these characters and in this time period is something that they are openly embracing and discussing. Is it's like no, that that feels like it would be something that would happen. That doesn't feel as wedged into say another film if that happened. But I think it more speaks to the fact that the way that we in this time period. 50-ish years on from when the events of this film took place. The way that we talk about sex and sexuality is quite different. And for a lot of people, sex isn't as binary as it is portrayed in this film. Mm. Uh, you know, this film this film had uh, lesbians, two of them, and it was, ooh. Two look, of them at the same time? Yeah, mm. and look, look how progressive it is. Happily. Mm. Yeah, and look how progressive it is. You know, I, I feel like the audience at the time was uh, Sir Alistair's wife, just, ooh. Yeah, <laughs> just very oh, Harold. They're lesbians. Oh, yeah, just <laughs> tittering, and then Harold coming out and saying his one line for the film, and then <laughs> disappearing to go support a character. It, it, it's it's yeah. I'm really glad that we we did watch this film because I think there is a, quite a lot to unpack from it, and it was quite a popular film at the time of release. Like I remember, um, it was it was very widely advertised, and lots of people went and saw it and had a good time. And then it was like everyone agreed to not watch it again. Almost. You mean like Avatar? Le- well, same year as Avatar, but Avatar was a bit more divisive. I think more people enjoyed The Boat That Rocked than Avatar, I would say. So Boat That Rocked 2 is going to come out in another few years and we'll... Uh... I mean, James Cameron, he loves a, sing- a singing ship. Mm. He'll, he'll sink that ship. This one's set all underwater and they're ghosts and they got to find a, a cursed jewel or some shit. Yeah. Look, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> I'd watch that. I you wouldn't watch that movie. I <laughs> know. Uh, look, again, we... it's called Broadcast Skeletons. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I really do want to see that. Now. Right. Excellent. Well, uh, we'll review that after you've made it. Right. Excellent. Love that. Um, would you guys like some trivia about the boat that rocked? Please. I would love nothing more. Okay. All Ever this... in your life. <laughs> yeah. All of this trivia uh, is sourced from IMDb. So if it's not true. Don't blame me. Did you look up during the film the actor that plays Bob? Yes, uh, that is Ralph Brown. What has he done? Because uh, he was one of those like, I know I've seen him in something kind well, of moments. Wayne's World 2. Oh. The thing about Ozzy is he would refuse to go on unless we got the brown oh, M&M's. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to sleep at night. I know. And that's just it. Is It was a one shot in this yeah. film where Bob turns and I went... That's that's who that is. Yeah, Amazing. He's, yeah, he's he's the guy they fly Wayne and Garth fly to England yeah. to help them organise Wayne stock. Amazing. Yeah, uh, and he's a he's a very bold man in real life, so he has access to a lot of great wigs. Fantastic. <laughs> what I'm learning. Uh, yeah, Ralph Brown, uh, great actor. The scene in which young Carl sulks about Marianne was originally supposed to only last about eight seconds and contain nothing but Tom Sturridge, i.e. Sandman, uh, sitting on the bench and looking sad. Will Amersdale and Ike Hamilton, who played the newsreader and um, Harold, respectively, MVP. They happened to be there, and they um, were encouraged by the uh, executive producer, writer, and director Richard Curtis um, to do what their characters would do in that situation, or say, "What would you do if your friend was in this situation?" Um, he then put on the song "So Long, Marianne," so they were listening to it while they performed that scene, and everything they do in that scene is improvised. No. Yeah. Oh, cute. Yeah, all the biscuit sharing and the dunking and the he's not going to have it, well, I'm going to have it kind of thing was was really lovely. And uh, as we have two great improvisers um, with us here today, how would you rate that improv? I would rate it quite high. Yeah. It's accurate and realistic and it made me feel good. There was a lot of yes ending. Yeah. There was a lot of, they felt natural to their characters. They felt like, you know, uh, Harold sort of like kept glancing going, okay, I'm going to take a biscuit. Good use of props, good timing. Yeah. Felt natural. And like, you know, it, it, leaving that space for um, Sandman to do what he needs to do 
or like he started to come into it and then he gives him a hug at the end yeah. and it's like yeah it was very good as well. it was a journey it was a journey uh the movie was loosely based on uh radio caroline a popular pirate radio ship with a similar history and style uh richard curtis intended to weave a fictional story around the many pirate stations of that era rather than base the story on one factual ship so things like the wedding that took place on the boat was borrowed from one ship and other stories that were happening it was all sort of just built around from the collective experience of these um piratical djs uh sailing the seas the scene with midnight mark and all his naked groupies the one cut from the u.s release is a op- is an homage to the UK album cover of Jimi Hendrix's Electric Ladyland, even down to the placement of the women in the scene. So, yeah, that's they literally just went, hmm, we're going to recreate... I think it's telling that they wanted to recreate an album cover with a lot of naked ladies on it, though. Yes, but, I mean, to be fair, they recreated other things at other times in yeah. other scenes. But, yes, it is very telling that that one mm. was um, so clearly recreated. Yeah. Yeah, that was... It doesn't serve anything for the film, but it's cool. It's, 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 it's like If you're a big fan of Hendrix and those covers, and like seeing that recreated physically is like, wow, that, that would be kind of cool and like a nice moment in the film. Plus, there's a lot of naked ladies, which people seem to like. That's fine. Yes. Naked ladies are fine. Naked ladies are fine. We'll, can we, we'll write that down. Quote, <laughs> Dr. Sarah Curtis, naked ladies are fine. It's my most quoted comment. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, scenes were filmed with James Corden as a rival DJ from a new <gasps> pirate radio station called too. Radio nice. Sunshine. Uh, and that that radio station was then sabotaged by our radio rock crew. Uh, these were cut from the movie, but are available as deleted scenes on most home video releases. Normally I'd be bang up for some deleted scenes, but... I'm good. Not interested. Yeah. Why do people dislike James Corden so much? He Honestly, I used to like him, but over time he's become so unlikable just he's because of diva. the things that he does and says and acts. Yeah, he's, he's a bit shit to people. Yeah. Because the thing is, is I don't really know much about him beyond things I've seen him in. Like, I didn't watch Gavin and Stacey, but mm. I've seen his Smithy character every now and then. I've seen him do the things where they do the recreate the the films with the actor on his late night show where they've got a green screen and yeah. they go through like, all the films and i'm like yeah okay but e- even through that limited interaction i do have a little bit of this guy seems like a bit of a dick i, I don't know what it is yeah I, I feel like the turning point was when he got the american talk show yeah he yeah. just became so up himself and yeah. so obnoxious which i mean fair play well oh, done yeah. that that's a hard scene to break into but yeah maybe don't be a dick about it yeah, and you'll keep it. Yeah, be be more of a. Have tra- you seen? Be more cats? of a. Tra- Have you watched Cats? I nope. refused. I need to be very drunk. Because if you're if you're on the fence about James Corden, that will definitely tip you over. Which way? <laughs> to hating him. Okay. And okay. everyone in it. <laughs> everything much. about that film. Everything yeah. about Cats. Like, mm, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Be less James Corden. Be more Craig Ferguson. I would say. Hundred percent. Uh, Hans Zimmer wrote the score for this film, which consisted of. One song. Uh, <laughs> one six-minute uh, cue during the finale. He wasn't credited as the composer, but he did this as a favour to uh, working title films because he had his start out there in the 1980s with the studio. Uh, the score track is listed in the closing credits amongst the numerous songs used as Sink or Swim, and Zimmer is listed in the fine print as the writer of this particular song, along with Lorne Balf. But yeah, so this is technically a Hans Zimmer right. soundtrack. Cool. It's one song. That explains why it sometimes comes up on my Spotify. Mm. Does it? Yeah, because I have um, so, a, a playlist that I listen to like when I'm working mm. and I need to like be focusing on marking in mm. particular. It's like, okay, yeah, like movie soundtracks. Yeah. And so there's a lot of Hans Zimmer in there and that comes mm. up occasionally. I'm like, why is the boat that rocked in this? <laughs> That'd be why. Um, the final bit of trivia is that the ship used for filming was the MV Timor Challenger, and much filming, uh, day and night scenes, was done in Portland Harbour, the venue for the 2012 Olympic sailing uh, that would take place a few years later in Weymouth. The red paint scheme was based on that of the MV Ross Revenge, which was the uh, which bleh, which was the Radio Caroline pirate ship from 1983 to 1991, because pirate radio went well into the 80s. Uh, and is nowadays maintained as a museum by volunteer enthusiasts who assisted with several aspects of the movie, including learning many of the uh, broadcasting and ship props. Good. So yeah, there was quite a lot of the set that was from real pirate radio 
stations that they lent them for this film. James Cameron was just like, oh, it's so hot. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love real boat stuff. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. When he was watching this, I yeah. presume, yeah. Like, mm, I, bet that was re- oh, I bet that was a real practical boat. <laughs> mm, hell yeah. Yeah. You... I bet it was real cold for the actors. Yeah. Real comfortable and wet. I mean, they, they did jump into the water a lot. Mm. And, and like, as someone who grew up, Partly being on boats at night in the Irish Sea. Um, were you not, supposed to be there? Uh, yeah, we were travelling. I wasn't. Okay. I wasn't like a secret illicit child fisherman. Okay. He was also a pirate. Just checking. Yeah. A real one. Yeah. yeah. No, occasionally we would. Uh, it's it's cheaper to take the ferry at night sometimes. So we'd be on these ferries going between England and the Isle of Man, and being out on the boat when the wind's whipping around like that is like that's that's cold. The idea of then jumping into the sea. But on okay, top of that, so mm. why then did they make the character who couldn't swim? the New Zealand actor. Like, I'm assuming that New Zealand is like Australia where they have mandatory swimming lessons from a very young age. In the 60s? I mean, okay, Well, yeah, I mean, for him it 60s. would have been like the 50s, 50s 40s? 40s? I don't know. It'd be, yeah, pretty young dude. I'm sure there's people from New Zealand that can't swim. Yeah, I'm going to say that as well. I, I, I think it's mostly just because Reese Darby is the funniest person I mean, to hearing see him just like that. say that in his accent is pretty funny. Yeah. Can't swim. I do like that. Aside from taking the mick out of his accent, they never address the fact that he's from New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. The other characters. Oh, yeah, you're from America, therefore it doesn't matter. Uh, according to this article uh, from rnz.co.nz, God, he's quick, isn't he? From Square. from February 2022, nearly three in ten New Zealanders cannot swim or float in the ocean for more than a few minutes. Ah, oh, bloody Kiwis! So close to 30 percent of the New Zealand population cannot swim. That's um yeah they're on a big island there you'd uh, you think they'd get on that mm. well they don't apparently so so yeah. Reese Darby is uh, true to life yeah he's done it well so well done that was one of the non anachronistic things in this film because <laughs> uh, technically some of the songs were from the year after the the events of the film but mm. it's more about the vibe of the sixties you know I think it would be a very much a square move to be like uh, actually that uh, well, yes that, that particular song that album was not released. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so all that remains is for us to score the boat that rocked. Mm-hmm. Sarah, mm-hmm. was your first time watching TBTR. Uh, what score would you give it out of 10? Oh, I've got to think of what to sc- the, the thing to score it with as well. Uh, because there's not, no real thing that's standing out to me. Um, so I'm going to have to be super boring. Uh, I enjoyed this film. Uh, there are some problematic moments. Bits about it. I was like, eh, not so much. I've never been a fan of the 60s, but I didn't hate it in this. Okay. Like, I usually sort of run screaming going, why is everything so bright? Why is everything so obnoxious? But this time I was like, no, it fits. I, I'm liking the vibe. So, well done mm-hmm. on that. Um, so, I'm going to give this film uh, six recreated album covers out of ten. Okay. Shane? Mm, yeah, well, similar vibe. I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it seven... Submerged Grateful Dead records. Yeah. I think this film is... I was about to say inoffensive, but it's not. Uh, there are things in it which are a little bit offensive. But I think it's 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 quite a cheery, happy-go-lucky, uh, whistling, bit-cheeky postcard kind of vibe um, that's maintained well throughout. I, I do think that that sequence where the boat is sinking is surprisingly effective. Um, where suddenly it becomes like a proper sinking thriller yeah, uh, yeah. situation. The threat is real. Yeah, the threat is real. James Cameron's like, oh, hell yeah, <laughs> mm, sink it. Build it for a billion dollars and then sink it. And um, yeah, mm. it's, uh, it's, it's, it's... Wow. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, 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 it's fun. It, it has its moments and it has its moments. Um, but I think it's still worth a watch. I think it's quite fun. Again, it's good to see so many people that would go on to become even bigger sort of comedy film stars playing pirates. bit parts in this film, <laughs> playing pir- and pirates, yeah. Um, yeah, it's fun, but it is a little bit forgettable. I'm already feeling it fade a little bit from the memory somewhat, which is maybe true to the 60s where it's not you remember specific events. It's yeah. just the vibe it's of the It's the vibe, man. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a six and a half. Bill Nye somehow standing lopsided but still looking like he stood upright when a boat is sinking out of 10 because just just when the door opens and he's there and he's clearly leaning but somehow he still looks like the way he stands in every other film actually six and a half 
just weird salutes from Bill Nye, where <laughs> he like, weird. I know he can't open his hand up because of the arthritis, but the way he like pointed his fingers at his head and the angle of how it moved, it just felt like if you if you badly explained a salute, if thick Kevin explained a salute <laughs> to to the other people in this film and then they had to do it, that was what that salute was. We didn't even talk about thick Kevin. He was lovely. He was I lovely. Thick yeah. Kevin. And I like when he fell off the bed that time. <laughs> yeah, that was very good. He feels like Honestly, though, he might be the thing that best represents what what is sort of wrong with this film. You could cut Thick Kevin from this film entirely and have a much tighter film and still have a lot of the same impact of things that happened. But I don't know that I'd want that to happen. No, you've got to keep Thick Kevin. Yeah, he's kind of pure. He is. Yeah. And I kind of feel like, and, and that's needed in this film, uh, but I, I also feel it's just, yeah, he's just like, he's nice and like, you know, dressed as the Easter Bunny at Christmas and things like that. It's it's all little things which are fun, but at the same time, just very odd. And it's just nice to see Tom Brook um, playing that role and, and not killing key characters in Game of Thrones uh, or, or other thugs that he's played. Um, but that brings us to the end of this review of The Boat That Rocked. Uh, Shane and Sarah, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us. And happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah, you're getting old. I am. I really am. Uh, luckily, uh, though, though I am getting old, podcasting remains ever young. Yeah, the squares can't shut us down, man. <laughs> Piracy! Piracy! Woo! Yeah, so uh, if you want to get on board this little pod- uh, podcast tugboat, uh, then you can find us uh, by subscribing. You can get a new release from our sales of fun each and every week. Uh, just subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, you know, all those small pirate institutions. Yeah. Not big corporate things. Yeah, yeah, you can find us there. New weekly updates, uh, things like that. Just, just search for us. You'll get a new episode every week. Uh, we are also available to be found on Facebook, another small <laughs> area of Never the internet. Never heard of it. Uh, yeah, just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there. You can get news and updates. And finally, there's Patreon, which is literally give me money. Is That's the least... That's pretty priority. It's part, Yeah, but it's... I don't rob anyone for that. Although maybe you if you went and listened to the extra content, you'd be like, oh, it is There's a bit a of robbery. robbery. Yeah. Uh, no, it's lovely. If you want to go to our Patreon uh, and become a member for as little as a dollar a month, uh, you will get bonus goodies and features. And um, and you will like it. And you will probably <laughs> enjoy them. <laughs> I else. hope, yes. Uh, but that is all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, happy birthday to me, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and until next time, goodbye. Wow. You don't like birds. No, I don't. Oh, you're so brave. <laughs> <laughs>